Good morning, church. Welcome. I want to read something over you um, as we have thankful hearts this morning. This is from Psalm 107. Let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. Here's why. He's better than anyone could ever imagine. Yes, he's always loving and kind, and his faithful love never ends. So God, we love you. We thank you this morning. You are so good to us, God, and we do have thankful hearts simply because of who you are, God. And I just thank you that we get to come and worship you freely this morning, Lord. You are good. Amen. Amen. Let's worship this morning.
what you've done. We praise you, God. You are so great. You do miracles so great, God. There is no one like you, Jesus. We place all of our trust in you, God. Thank you, Jesus.
trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, yes, oh. How sweet to trust in Jesus. That's an old hymn. Those hymns had great theology. One of the ways that we demonstrate our trust is in giving. And so I want to remind you that the buckets are here. And so during any part in the service, if you want to come and because that act of moving forward and giving, and it's not to show anybody else what what's going on, um, but you can do it that way if you feel led or you can give online or in the green boxes. Um, God is awesome and he trusted. Always, always faithful. Amen. Uh, be seated. Um, so Pam and I went to Korea in, uh, in May and when we got back to DFW to the airport the, I said I don't care what happens but I need some American food. And by American food, I mean Mexican food. Amen? Um, in keeping with that, our uh, Christmas service, our Christmas party, it's not our Christmas service. Our Christmas service will actually be the morning of Christmas Eve. But our Christmas party is the week before. That's December 17th, right after the service. So we'll have a big meal and all those things. Um, and... Oh, by the way, it's going to be Mexican food. Amen. Um, we, growing up in Texas, Pam's brother lived in South Texas, like just a little ways from Mexico. And so we did a, a normal South Texas Christmas. And we don't have uh, turkey or ham or anything like that. We have tamales. Amen. Um, so we're going to have a, a Mexican food and since we have some great Hispanic people in our church, they're going to be doing some of their uh, favorite dishes. And so I'm looking forward to that. Is anybody else looking forward to that? All right. It's going to be fun. That's the week before our Christmas service. That's the 17th of December. And, and we'll just immediately follow the service. Amen? Okay. What? Oh. And that's also in the newsletter. So QR code is the sign-up place. Anything else, dear? Okay. Sign up to bring food. That way we don't have all of the same thing. Unless it's tamales and you just bring all those you want to. All right? Um, one more behind-the-scenes thing. And that is that, um, that first song that we sang... Um, it, it, if you some of the other locations add a verse on to the end of that that says get up, get up, get up get up out of that grave and they actually sang it that way this morning but they didn't sing it just now it's because I can't keep from laughing because every time I hear get up, get up, get up I hear giddy up, giddy up, giddy up giddy up out of that grave so I just want to thank you Jen and I look at each other we can't, we'll just bust out. So, anyway, 
Thank you guys for not doing that. I want you to take five minutes, refill your coffee, and get ready for a word this morning from the Lord. Anybody still in a coma from Thursday? How many of you are going to go home and eat turkey, leftover turkey, when you get home? Josh, you're going to eat fresh turkey, aren't you? Um, People this weekend are still having Thanksgiving family stuff. The Jacksons will be having a Thanksgiving gathering today. And so um, bless all of you and your families. So... We'll have one more song at the end of the service. Um, We're working that in as a way to have a very purposeful time of reflection and just a moment for you to even make a commitment to the Lord. I mean, to just have a time between you and God where you talk about what uh, what He's doing in your life and, and maybe a response even to the message itself. So... We studied uh, the book of Joshua lately, and um, and ended. Uh, we and we started off with a verse from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy it is uh, from the Latin and Greek kind of together about the the second law. It's the second giving of the law. It's like the re. Uh, restatement of it at the end of all their 40 day journey, 40 year journey through the wilderness, uh, right before Moses is gone and Joshua takes over and they go into the promised land. This is way over in the left hand side of your Bible, way over Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, one of the saddest verses in the Bible to me. Um, and it has, and it's really the basis for the message this morning, although it's not our main text. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2. So it's, it's w- winding up of the books of history about the creation and uh, Adam and all that comes after him, Abraham, and then through uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob into Moses. And the 40-year journey. And it says this. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2. The saddest, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And it's this. It's 11 days journey from Horeb. Sorry, y'all know me. It's 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Is that sad for anybody else? Here's why it's sad. It's sad to me because it, it's a picture of some of our lives. Um, have you ever heard the saying, you can either do it the easy way or the hard way? This verse said there was an easy way to do what the children of Israel did. It's an 11-day journey from the time that they received the Ten Commandments. 11-day journey 
from Mount Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, which is the entrance into the promised land. It, how long did it take them to get there? 40 years. How many of you have felt like Josh and I were having a discussion this morning about getting your, getting your things in order so that, you know, at the end of your life, at the end of your journey on earth, other people don't have to take care of it. That there's an easy way and there's a hard way. And how many of you feel like, man, I've kind of taken the hard way. I... The children of Israel, the children of Jacob, Israel, went through extremely hard times. Even, I mean, it was difficult. God took care of them all along the way. They didn't even have to feed themselves. They were taken care of by the manna, by the what's this? They, their shoes didn't wear out. I'd love that. I finally had to go to rubber soles on my boots because my boots weren't lasting more than six months. And I'd have to get them resold, leather soles. I went through them in six months. Y'all know I'm kind of hyperactive anyway. And so that's, that was the... Their shoes did not wear out in 40 years. I'm casting down some thoughts about women and their shoes, but I'm not going to say any. I'm just not going to say anything about it. Some for some, no, I'm just not going to say anything. So I don't usually title my messages, but this, the title of this message is um, Journeys. Kat Von D versus Abraham, Moses, and Paul. Raise your hand if you... Raise your hand if you know who Kat Von D is. Okay. We talked about her last week, about her journey in life, that she grew up in a missionary's home from South America. Uh, Argentina is where uh, her family came from, and they were missionaries to Mexico. And so she grew up in, a, in family and church, but she took the hard road. Uh, she didn't go 11 days journey. She went a, a different way and tried to fill uh, what she describes as kind of a hole in her life, fill them with all kinds of different things. And um, I encouraged you last week to, to look at her, basically her testimony. Um, I listened to it again this past, I listened to snippets of it, but I listened to it again this past week. And I was amazed at how, how similarly... <laughs> I think about a spiritual journey uh, as she does. And I've talked with some of you about how you got where you are to, uh, where you're sitting to, got to where you're sitting right now. I've talked to some of you about that. And so, uh, the reason why I want to talk about journeys is because of how it impacts our families today. We have, until the last couple of decade or two, most of us have had very similar spiritual, spiritual journeys in life. We grew up in a church that our parents took us to, and um, some of us 
kind of followed after what they did. And some of us maybe added a twist to it. And, but we're similar in life, at least the people that I look at, I see this morning are similar to what their parents were. And I'm wondering what it's going to look like in another 20 years. Like when some of you have kids that are uh, growing up in high school, what is their spiritual journey going to look like? What are we going to pass on to them? And it'll, a lot of it will be impacted by the, the things that you're doing day in and day out right now. Whether they have an 11-day journey or a 40-year journey. Because young people who are in high school right now and determining where their spiritual life is going to go are... And I'm looking at all age kids right now in this room. The potential to end up on a very long road is there, and if they can even get back to where they started. Because no matter where we are, we kind of all start at the same places and hopefully go on to something a little more sophisticated. What I grew up with, from a spiritual standpoint, I believe I've, I've added on to that. Grew up in a Baptist church, very traditional upbringing, which I am thankful for because it gave me the foundation, the, especially the biblical foundation. And Sarge and I were talking about this just this past week, that it gave us a, a very biblical foundation, a lot of word in order to, for us to start at a place where we could develop and go on past that. Uh, gave me an exposure to the Word such that I could look at what's going on in the church that I was in then and go and see there's something, there's something more that's missing for me. How many of you would say that you've even seen that in your life, that, you, that there was something missing? Um, it gave me the ability to look at some of the other offerings around me, uh, the other options as far as a spiritual life and a spiritual practice, to look at some of those other options and go, yeah, that's not in the Bible anywhere. And that's an important thing to be able to pass on to your kids. A, A knowledge of the Bible and a love for the Word such that they can look at it and go, yeah, that's not right. I... I think it's important because I love a lot of the options that we have for study now that um, all the different study Bibles. But in your study Bible, you've got to be able to look at some of the, the things that are being said about different verses and say, yeah, that's right. And no, that isn't right. And in order to be able to do that, you have to have some, a biblical foundation and a knowledge of what you believe, this is more important probably than anything, a knowledge of what you believe to be able to say, yeah, that's not right. But your belief be based on Scripture. 
So what we're passing down to our kids will give them the tools that they need to do to have to be able to make a choice on whether their journey is going to be 11 days or 40 years. Because hopefully, the best opportunity that we can give them is to start somewhere near where you're at right now. But, but is the practice that you are engaged in as a family, is it setting your kids up to be able to add to, to move forward in those things? Have they had the foundation of the word to be able to, to discriminate between what is, what is true and what is not true, between what is a, is, is a positive purpose and something that's negative? Um, I've talked about this before, now and then, entropy. Um, entropy is the, did, did I have the, did I leave this, that in there, Greg? Is entropy in, okay. Did you say yes or no? Oh, okay. I thought that I left that in there. Entropy is, and this is right out of Google, entropy E-N-T-R-O-P-Y, often interpreted as the degree of disorder or randomness in a system. And, the, and then there's a quote, the second law of thermodynamics, which is a, a law of physics, says that entropy always increases with time. That means that it moves more and more towards randomness or disorder. What's left out of this definition is if no outside force acts upon it. And what that basically says is that everything is is going from an energized state or, or some kind of very organized state, and it moves towards disorder. It moves towards uh, like running down, like a battery like a watch that you wind up and then it runs down. The watch doesn't run down if you keep on winding it. Does anybody ever, does anybody have a watch that winds? I have some old ones that I've saved and some of my dad's pocket watches. Um, is as long as you, an outside force acts on it, it keeps on going. But as soon as that outside force isn't acting on it anymore, it runs down. And the reason I talk about it is that it seems that we, as, as spiritual beings, that we have devolved. We're not evolving and moving to something better. We're devolving. We're going backwards uh, from a system that can exert influence on, have have an influence on that system so it doesn't fall apart, so it doesn't increase towards disorder. Because what we want for our spiritual life is for it to become more ordered, to be, for it to become more, operate more on purpose. And, but what's happened in a lot of families is that that outside influence Either a battery that adds power to a system or a, a gasoline engine. But even that will run down unless you keep on filling it up. Something, 
from the outside keeps on adding to it to keep it going. But it's been my experience in 20-something years of counseling plus and, and dealing with families that we've left a system just to kind of do its own thing. With, and kids in the service this morning, noise is not a problem. Just by the way, I'm going to make that statement. Noise is not a problem. What I've seen is that we have abdicated as parents sometimes, our and grandparents, abdicated to the system. The idea that you let kids choose whatever they're going to choose. Parents, how many of you let your kids choose whether they were going to brush their teeth or not in the early days? I see troublemakers out there. Um, um, at least we start off teaching our kids to brush their teeth. Pam can show you a video of Nixon Witt brushing their teeth with mom and dad, and they, and they actually think it's kind of fun. Um, but... And we wouldn't just say, ah, whatever they decide, that's on their own. We are an advanced system that can exert outside influence on the situation where we don't have entropy, where we just let it run down because I guarantee it will. And in our society, in our culture today, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing how much things can run down if just left alone. And you see it on the news. Um, uh, the coasts of the United States, it, the West Coast and the East Coast, how cities, they're running down because things are just left to, on their own. That's where kids will be. It becomes more disordered. When the children of Israel went into the promised land after their 40 years, one of the things that they were told is, write these things on your forehead and on your hand. And really, later on, uh, the, the word says, write them on your heart. Teach them to your children. When you get up in the morning, at your, at your getting up and in your laying down, Teach them to your kids. And the reason was they didn't want to go back to the wilderness again. So what we see in our society today a lot and all and the research, all the statistics that you can quote from Secular researchers, as well as spiritual groups like uh, Barna, they're all indicating that the church is running down. And that kids, once they get to be uh, uh, the age to graduate from high school, that many of them are graduating from church too. And 
something that Brent has mentioned quite a few times, the um, deconstruction, that our, our kids are deconstructing their faith. They're just, what is deconstruction? How many of you watched Alone, the, the TV show Alone, where the survivalists are dropped off in the wilderness somewhere and they've got a knife and a, and a, a few tools and they have to survive there as long as they can. And, you know, they go up to, th- um, several of them have gone nearly three months uh, with just a very few tools. And uh, when, whenever they punch the button to get out. Remember I talked to you all about being in Brent and I in Colorado and I kept talking about I would punch the button so somebody could come and rescue me uh, when I was trying to climb up some hills and don't go a week after you've had COVID and don't go with somebody two decades younger than you that is a mountain goat. Uh, After they push the button at the end of a loan, They've all built some kind of shelter, a house. And what they want to do is leave nothing behind, like the, the backpacker's motto. And they take their house and they take it all down until it's back to its... That's after they're leaving. The boat comes and picks them up and takes them to get a Snickers bar because um, they're all starving. They, they take their house down. They deconstruct it. And I think it's so sad because of all that, all the time it took to build that up and, I mean, all the calories it took and they're eating squirrels and mice and, you know, uh, weird nuts. Some of them are cutting tree bark and eating stuff off of eating trees to survive. Um, after all that, in just, well, what you see on the show, it may take... It may take an hour or two or 10 hours to take it all down, but it happens on the TV show in a matter of just seconds, this thing coming down. That's what we're seeing in families when, when young people are moving into their adult life. In college and after that, they're, they're de- deconstructing their own faith. And all that their parents poured into them. That's why they were told as they went into the promised land, teach these things to your kid. And have this practice when you get up in the morning and when you lie down at night. And they see it all. And what the, the Jews did, they actually had these things called phylacteries. So they had little boxes that they'd tie onto their wrist. And they have a box that they tied with a headband on and they put it on their forehead. They literally did what? They, they literally did what the scriptures said, but in real life, they didn't actually do it. it. It didn't affect their lives. They went through the motions of it. I'm afraid that that's what we're showing our kids sometimes. And so what ends up, they, um, uh, in the process of throwing out the bathwater, a lot of young people are choosing to throw the baby out too. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Um, the reason, 
I mentioned Kat Von D last week. And so the reason it's journeys, Kat Von D versus Abraham, Moses, and Paul. Eventually, Kat Von D came back to something similar to what her parents grew up in. Um, she, she went way back and, and has become very conservative in her spiritual practices with mainline denomination, with um, hymns. She doesn't like the worship music that we do. She likes hymns because she wants, she's looking for that, that traditional kind of experience because it, 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 it calls her back to where she was when she was so much younger. Kat Von D versus Abraham, Moses, and Paul. Really, I think we should go back to Adam. Because what was Adam's experience, his spiritual experience, that, that his life grew on? It was walking with God in the cool of the day. That's a pretty good experience, isn't it? That would be awesome until you didn't have it anymore. So when Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden and they, uh, they just have to go on what that experience was. And it starts out with last year. Last year, it's not hard for me to remember what it was like to walk with God in the cool of the day. And we just talked like friends. But then they didn't have that anymore. And after a year, they could kind of remember it. But after 10 years and after losing one of their children... And then after another kid getting sent off, Cain, because he killed Abel, he gets sent off and is doing his own thing somewhere else. I mean, have you ever thought about, and this is all real, this is, that's how this part is history. Adam and Eve, they went through experiencing the life similar that we have, only they did it with what happened 40 years ago. A hundred years ago, 250 years ago, Adam is going and he's telling his great, great grandchildren, he's telling them, yeah, I wish y'all, I wish y'all could know what it was like to walk with God in the cool of the day and talk to him as friend with friend because his grand, grandchildren and great, great grandchildren, that's all they had to go on. In fact, all the way up to Methuselah, 900 years old, was still living off Adam's experience way back then. But every year, they talked about those things. And it got passed on from generation to generation. But that's all they had was an experience that happened 900 years ago. And then Noah comes along in the flood. And it starts over again. But Noah had this uh, relationships that's different from Adam. Somehow God told him things, and we don't know how it happened. I suspect how it happened. But until Abraham comes along, and it's something similar is happening with him, God says to him, I need you to go to a country that I'm going to show you. It's going to be your place. Because at that time, he's just a, they're nomads wandering around. They don't have a place that they call home. They just go from place to place to place to place. And the only experience that other people have to guide their spiritual formation is what happened to my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Even Abraham has those stories. 
that he relies on, for him to determine how he's going to interact with God. And that's past Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in the spiritual journeys, we really start with Adam and then go on to Abraham and Jacob and all the children end up in Egypt. And then Moses delivers them out of Egypt. And not only is it sad that it was 11 days journey and it took them 40 years, a, a certain number of years, were, 40 more years are added on to it at the beginning because if Moses hadn't tried to do things his own way, which was to kill one Egyptian at a time, that's how he was going to deliver the children of Israel. When he kills one of the Egyptians that's attacking an Israelite and he buries him in the desert, I think that Moses knew that he was supposed to be the deliverer but his plan was to deliver them one Egyptian at a time. And then he gets chased out of Egypt and he runs away and he lives 40 years in Midian. 40 more years gets tacked onto the beginning. And if you look at what God's plan for him was, they were supposed to be in, Israel, in uh, Egypt for 400 years and it was 440 years because Abraham's 40 years get added onto it. And then 40 more years after they're wandering in the desert gets added onto it. And so it's not just the difference between 40 and an 11 days journey. It's 80 years. But all this time, God is trying to, trying to have this, this relationship with men. And it goes on to Jesus' day when Paul is still doing it the same way Abraham did it, the same way Isaac and Jacob, same way Moses, same way David, same way Solomon, all the way through. Paul is doing the exact same thing. And Jesus comes along. Praise God. Because we have this. We have this scripture. And we have... We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit in us that we can do things so much smoother than how they were trying to figure out how to be in relationship with God. Because some of that relationship was about having some rules. I'll tell you what, I'll give you 10 rules. If you can just follow those 10 rules, everything will be groovy. But they couldn't do the 10 rules either. So God sends Jesus. And he made it a lot smoother. And it can be smoother for us, smoother for our children, if we'll give them Jesus too. And, and teach them how to use that Jesus to formulate how they're going to be with God in the future. And how freedom isn't doing what... Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Is that what... Who said that? Bob Dylan? Oh, well, doesn't matter. Freedom has taken on this idea, all these different ideas... To where most people today, it's, you can just do whatever you want to. You can make up new rules. Completely new things. And do whatever you want to. That's not freedom. Freedom is operating within a framework that God designed you to operate in. The book of Hebrews, I think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. I'll argue with you about that later if you want to. But 
he wrote it to the Hebrew people that were, had become Christians. And, and, he, and he accounts for all of Hebrew history. And the, the whole, that the new way is the only way. It's because it's superior in every way. Go back and look at it. He talks about Jesus being superior to Moses, being superior to angels, being superior to all those things. Because I think that, that there's an old saying, if it's too hot, in the, if it's too hot, get out of the kitchen. And if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Thank you, Haley. Um, that's, that's what the Hebrew people were doing when the Christian persecution started. And they were going, ah, it's a little hot for me. I can't stand the heat anymore. I'm going to get out of the kitchen. I'm going to go back to the, what we used to do. And Paul is saying in the book of Hebrews, he says, no, you can't do that. That, that way has passed away. And nobody ever accomplished anything in that. One of the things that he says in Hebrews is they never entered into their rest. Even the people that we think were successful, the Moses and the children of Israel, when they got to the promised land, they still never entered into their rest. They still never entered, entered into a peace where they go, ah, all is good. Right. Only in Jesus can we do that, Paul says. And in the Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, he talks about all the different ways faith was exercised before Jesus. And then uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and all that. And we come to chapter 12 and he says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... And this is right after the Hall of Fame of Faith, when he's talking about all the witnesses that had come before and how they exercised their faith and operated in it. Even without Jesus, they still did it. He says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and the picture he has in Paul, I don't know, he must have gone to the Olympics a lot because the, Olymp- no, the Olympics really did exist in those days. Um, the Greeks started it, and the Romans carried it on. And so in these coliseums, just like we have coliseums that we play football in, American football, we play football in those stadiums. Paul is picturing that in this verse right here. And he does it over and over. He talks about races, and he talks about the, the awards that you get. The awards that they got were just a crown of laurel leaves. I, I don't know. <laughs> that couldn't cause me to run, I guarantee but, it, but that's the picture that we have here. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in this, audit, in this uh, stadium. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. The picture there is, I mean, what the Greeks did, y'all. This is an interesting kind of Olympics they had because they took all their clothes off to run. Don't even think about it. It's not good. It's not good. Just don't. Get that out of my head. Thank you. Lay aside every weight. And even nowadays, you see them take off their track suits and their warm-up things and all that stuff. You don't ever see, anybody ever seen an Olympic race where they're running with their sweats on or, or any of that kind of stuff? Most of them are wearing skin-tight little outfits. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Sometimes you run with weights on 
Cameron actually did that for a while when he was working out in high school. He would wear this weighted um, vest and, and ankle weights and stuff. He's pretty extreme at the things he does, but just... Um, Lay all that stuff aside and run with endurance. Run a long race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, finisher of our faith. Jesus, the picture is that Jesus has run the race that you're running right now. He's the one that wrote the book on running the race. He wrote the book on running the race. He's finished the race. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Thankfully, our race doesn't go through a cross, except figuratively. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. But none of us climb up on a cross. I mean, some of us do figuratively every day to our spouses, but um, the author and finisher of our, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame of it. We don't have that either. We invent our own shame, but we don't have that kind of shame. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. A lot of sermons have been preached on that verse right there. But what that tells me is that the goal of this race is to do exactly that. It's to be on the right hand of the throne of God. We have access to that. We don't have to have priests or anything else do that for us. That's one of the other things that Hebrews talks about is Jesus is the great high priest. We don't need anybody else. We go through him. We don't go through priests. We don't go through Mary or the saints. Or, and we go directly to God. We get to go back to what Adam had by the Holy Spirit to walk with God in the cool of the day and speak to Him as friend with friend. Literally. And there are times in our life when it's absolutely literally that I and people that I know have heard God say words to them that didn't that aren't out of the Bible literally go down that hallway turn left that's our goal that's a goal that we have that are that should be the goal that we have for even for our kids for our children is to be at a place in their life where they because of their exposure to the Word, the book that Jesus has authored, because of their exposure to that, they're able to run the race and run it easier than every generation before them. I believe that's got what God's purpose is. I believe that, and you, you show me if I'm wrong. That's been God's purpose all along. And if, you can go through the Old Testament. And you see what I say, the opposite of in, entropy. It doesn't run down. That we see a progression of walking in faith throughout the Old Testament even. Because Moses did it better than Abraham. 
Solomon did it better than Moses for a while. He had some relationship problems. King Josiah did it better than anybody else. And how did King Josiah get back to? Look at it. It's at the end of first, uh, Second Kings and Second Chronicles. The story of King Josiah, the last king of Judah. Maybe next to the last king, depending on how you look at it. The last king got carried off into captivity. Josiah was the last one. And how did he do it? Because Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. That's what it, this book. Kings before him had done without it. That's the greatest gift that we can give our children. The same thing that brought King Josiah and the nation of Israel back to God. From King Josiah on, they never went back to idol worship. It's because of the book. What? Y'all remember that story that the temple had been remodeled several times? And they, they were like tore out a wall like Joanna Gaines does. Um, tore out a wall, and they found the Bible because King Ahab had destroyed them all. And this one Bible, they found it, and, and King Josiah weeps, and he cleaned house from then on, and they never went back to idol worship. That's what we want for our kids, is that they never go back backwards, and from then on, everything goes forward. And through the life of the church, it's gone forward, only moving forward. We counter entropy. We counter the things falling apart and becoming more disorganized by exerting influence on the system, putting new batteries in it, putting new programming in, adding to it. What was added to mine was a spirit-filled life. I, I, a handful of times I asked College professors, why don't we do this in the Baptist church? It's in the Bible, right? Uh, yeah, it's in there, but we just don't do it. What was added was the empowerment of a Holy Spirit. You know, Dr. Roark, it doesn't say anywhere that the, the gifts passed away. Why do we teach that? The gifts passed away with the last apostle. Not in there anywhere. It's because nobody was exerting an influence on the system. Somebody forgot to wind it. And so that part ran down. And so what's been added for me and my kids, for my kids it's normal. For me it was like, whoa, why didn't anybody tell me this? How would you like for your kids to, get four, to be 40 years old and they come to you and go, why didn't you tell me this? It would have saved me 40 years because I could have had an 11-day journey. The last verse, yeah, this will be all. I'm not going to do, there's a few Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 17. For all the talk of me being free to be me, this, this verse says what we need to talk about. Where this, now the, 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, some people are looking at religion. Don't teach your kids this. Some, because some people are looking at their religion as taking some kind of freedom away from them. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all with unveiled faces, going back to Moses, beholding as in a mirror. Beholding is a, is a progressive thing too. It's a thing that keeps on happening. Beholding as a mirror, uh, in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what a modern day woman has experienced that Kat Von D talks about in her testimony. She found the Lord in a brand new way. And she's set free. Drugs, gone, no alcohol. She's clean and sober. All of the junk that she had acquired, she carried around a big old suitcase full of crap for her whole life. And it's all gone now. And she did things in her life from selling her weird house to and getting rid of books in her library and what she said was what she said was I didn't want my kid growing up exposed to that stuff she said it's not even that I was into witchcraft or anything like that but I had those books in my house I, I, I explored and I don't want my kid to be exposed to that stuff just amazing what are we going to give our kids as far as, as the tools that it takes to choose whether their journey is going to be 11 days or 40 years or whether it's going to be not at all? Because that's what this deconstruction is. It's not at all. As the worship team comes up, I want to invite you to... Uh, Consider where you are with your family. Since this is Family Sunday, I wanted to have a message that encouraged us in, in where we're going with our kids and with our family and what, what, our, what our future, what our heritage is going to be, what we pass down. Because as we all spent time with family this weekend, hopefully that's on our mind. But you just consider how you respond. Y'all ready? Let's stand as we worship. All right, so family. All our hope is in the Lord. Kiddos, do you want to come join us for this last song? There's nothing like faith like a child to represent what it looks like to be free in the Lord.
two things. It represents our just normal physical needs, but it also represents our hope. That may be the most important gift that your children can receive from you is that your relationship with God represents that they can find hope there because everything else in life will fail. It can anyway. That What you really rely on is the Lord, even in, as far as provision goes. That your job doesn't provide for you. It, it doesn't provide everything you need. The government won't provide for you. The, nothing will provide for you but God. If your kids don't take anything away from growing up with you other than that, that the hope that you have is in the Lord and that God is your provision. Now you still go, you still go to school and make your grades and have a job because sometimes that is how God provides it. But it isn't from your work; it's from God giving you the work to do, and your provision comes from that. That's the most important thing, and that's scriptural. We're going to do our dead level best to not ever sing songs that aren't based on scripture and and its teaching doesn't come from scripture let me pray for you for your family Father empower us by your spirit to provide for our kids grandkids, nieces, nephews the generation that is coming after us that you would empower us to recognize false teaching and what we need to to provide a balance for that in the lives that we're living that we're living out expressing truth expressing biblical truth in the way that we live every single day not in the words that we say or some practice that we're doing that's not based on our real life that what we're teaching is reflected in our life. More that it be for your glory and for your church. That scripture says you're going to return to like like a bridegroom for a bride. Help us to become that more and more like Jesus for your glory. It's in his name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all. Enjoy the rest of your weekend before you go back to your routine.